Hey everybody, I'm Dan Vespris, the host of Fantasy NBA Today, Hoopball's flagship full-season fantasy podcast. We cover every piece of news, every mock draft, every rank list, pickups, drops, buy lows, sell highs, and every sleeper candidate all year long, Monday through Friday. Come check us out. We're Fantasy NBA Today, and you can follow me on Twitter for updates at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. We'll talk to you soon. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to another edition of NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I'm your host with the most, Corbin Forge. Follow me at CorbinNBA on Twitter. Make sure to check out the fine folks at HoopBall, hoop-ball.com, and on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Please do wonderful folks, great NBA content with the playoffs already underway. Where else can you go for your fantasy and general NBA perspective? I mean, one of the best, one of the best been a rough week y'all it's been a really rough rough week just between everything concerning jacob blake the tragic deaths of lute olsen cliff robinson and chadwick bozeman all within the span of two days it's it's been a lot it really has it's hit me hard i'm sure it's hit many of of y'all out there hard and you know i i really can't even put into words how bad it's been it's just been 2020 has been one big gut punch hasn't it like ah I don't even know how you can contextualize just how bad it is. Like, just when you think it's as bad as it's gotten, something happens that just takes your breath away. And for all the wrong reasons, it's, it's just been horrible. So, I'm, uh, I don't know. I don't know. All I can do is what we all are doing. Going one day at a time, taking as best as we can trying to move forward NBA today the NBA continued they had a stretch obviously this is nothing breaking news we've covered it on a, a variety of hoopball cha- uh, a variety of hoopball programs this isn't anything new but we have seen that the NBA was committed to having change to trying to press ownership and others to really make things happen for the better of people especially those, you know, systematically oppressed by the police or in situations that at best are are dubious in terms of how the outcome is. And at worst, I mean, we see it for ourselves. So the NBA had a boycott, you know, by the Bucks that the NBA quickly followed. They started games over the weekend and, you know, Saturday was the first official games. And here we are this Sunday talking about a couple and really only one guy takes up all of Sunday. And and this was this was during, by the way, a playoff game where the Mavericks met their end at the hands of the Clippers. Well as the Clippers are moving on to the next round, Mavericks are out. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, I feel like I buried the lead enough. Jamal Murray, man. Jamal Murray and while I'm at it, Donovan Mitchell. But Jamal Murray just in terms of Let's just get into it. Say it with me, all. Sports are back, and with sports comes my bookie. 
If you're wondering what my bookie is, let me just tell you, it is fantastic, y'all. It's a home run. It's a slam dunk. It's a triple overtime game-winning shot. It's all of that. It's all of that wrapped into one. We all love it, and that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie is up to the minute odds on all your favorite teams. It's NBA playoffs, y'all. Like, come on. Baseball is happening. WNBA, football around the corner. There's never been a better time to start playing. And with my bookie, they make it super simple. It's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. It's just as simple as that. Feeling good about your baseball team's chances this year? MLB? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad, like betting on them before the season's even begun. And, and let me tell you, I, I, as someone who, Lakers fan, bringing it back to basketball, we've had some rough years. As a fan, it has been rough. From 2014 to 2019, yikes, okay? It's been bad, but I never, ever, ever change up on my team. I am always there. I am loyal to the point of delusion. And you know what? You can do that with baseball, with my bookie's future World Series bets is right there. But why stop with baseball? Because smart bettors, not me, but smart ones, are always looking toward the future. And in this case, that does mean your NBA, your hockey, and your football. My bookie's already accepting bets on all of that. And they have online sports betting. Never better, better time to start exploring that. So join today. My bookie will match that deposit 100%. Plus, they'll toss you that free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code HOOPBALL when signing up. That's HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. I say it all the time, a HOOPBALL presentation when signing up. All one word, HOOPBALL. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are very simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Well, let's just start with the big game, the one that really took Sunday night by storm. That was the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. Just a couple days ago, a week ago, who knows, time is relative in 2020, right? The Nuggets were down three games to one to the Utah Jazz, and it seemed that the Jazz moving on would be inevitable. It did. Then Jamal Murray just woke up, 50-point game. Woke up again, another big game. Woke up again, 50 more points. This is the second 50-point game of this series, and we're talking about game six now. As Jamal Murray again puts the Nuggets on his back and leads them to victory over the Jazz, 119-107. to And folks, this game was a doozy. Let's start, obviously, with Jamal Murray, who has been on fire. Let me just read the sideline real quick. 50 piece, on 70% shooting, 75% from three, 77% from the free throw line, five rebounds, and six assists. Dude, y'all, ladies, gentlemen, bruh, what can you say about this guy? He was on fire. He was on fire. I mean, from the beginning, he had took the team over in the fourth. He led the charge in in, in, in getting them to where they were in general because this game was, was fun, but a lot of it, I said 50 points, was on Murray's back. In the fourth quarter alone, he outscored Donovan Mitchell 21-17. to And, you know, Murray had some help this game. Nikola Jokic added 22 points. Jeremy Grant came with 18 but it took everything they had. It took everything they had. Because defensively, the Nuggets, even with Gary Harris back in action after recovering from a right hip muscle strain, first game played in six months, even with him back, it, it, this wasn't easy. This wasn't easy. Utah ultimately finished 18-36 from three-point range. Ladies and gentlemen, that's 50%. And despite all those points that Jamal Murray scored, Donovan Mitchell again went off. The dude's been putting the Utah offense on his back. 44 points on 56% shooting, 69% from the free throw line. 
Both of these guys hit nine threes in game six. And I'm talking about Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. Both of these guys. And just like Murray, Mitchell had some help. Mike Conley came through, 21 points, 6 assists. Jordan Clarkson was held more in check, but Georges Yang came up with 10 points off the bench. I mean, there was some help there. Rudy Gobert didn't have the best game, 11 points, 11 rebounds. But he did a lot of yield man's work on Nikola Jokic, even with him scoring those 22. So it wasn't like his work was completely in vain. But this was this was literally the Murray show. I mean, down the stretch, every time the Nuggets needed a bucket, and that was usually after a bucket scored by Donovan Mitchell, they answered, and they answered. And and, and this is crazy. It, it, it This series has been the most fun. I actually thought going in that it would be the most boring. But this is the most fun easily that I've had watching the Nuggets play. And, and mind you, a little bit of trivia, this will be the third straight Game 7 for the Nuggets. Remember last year, they beat San Antonio in seven games, then lost to Portland in seven games, and now they're going to seven games here. It's win or go home for both teams. Now, the key for the Nuggets will be stopping Donovan Mitchell. It seems simple, but it really, really isn't. Mitchell has been on fire. He's an, he's another guy up here with multiple 40-point games, multiple 50-point games. The, the guy is a monster. The guy's a monster. He leads right now the whole NBA in top scoring over the playoffs at 37.6 points a game. Mind you, Denver's defense sucks, but they have no single person that can hold Mitchell in check, just like the Jazz don't have a single person that can hold Murray in check, especially when he's hitting threes just off the catch. He's weaving through defense. He had one sequence that looked very, very, very Steph Curry-like, where he drove into the lane, backed out, kind of wheeled around the defense, and then penetrated again and finished at the rim. Like... You, what can you do to that? What can you do? I don't know. I don't know. Um, it's really going to come down to who wins the battle between these two. And it, I was asking this on Twitter. I was saying, what kind of series was it so defined by two separate players? And I'm going to shout out to my other podcast. Shout out to my friend Garrett Bouguet, co-host of Duncan Dynasty. We broke down the 1984 uh, NBA playoff match between the Detroit Pistons and the New York Knicks. Um, during you know the quarantine time where we were going through old series and that one was easily defined by Bernard King for the Knicks and Isaiah Thomas for the Pistons going back and forth tit for tat back at it and back at it again and again and and that really defined the series and ultimately Bernard King just had a little bit more than Isaiah Thomas and that is why the the Knicks were able to prevail but then as I thought about it I thought of another kind of classic mano y mano back and forth you know draw your your sabers kind of duel and that was 2001 Allen Iverson versus Vince Carter both of them going back and forth leading their teams in scoring and victories until game seven where it all came down to a missed three-pointer by Vince Carter at the buzzer to send the Philadelphia 76 to the NBA finals or I think they played actually you know NBA historian here I'm, I'm speaking off the dome they might have played the Bucks before they went to the finals. But you get what I'm saying. That was how tough this series was. I think it was a semifinals matchup. Point being, all that being said, I feel like the Murray versus Mitchell battle, which has been so compelling, and please, watch these games. Like, there's been one game that's really been kind of a blowout. I'd say two. But most of these games have been really close, defined by clutch scoring, and I'm saying, like, really, really great shot making. Just, just a master class in crafting your own shot and creating from long range and just just check it out but as i'm watching this i'm drawing a lot of parallels to 2001 
AI versus Vince Carter. And I think that is the best, most modern application to what I'm seeing right now, where, yes, you have different players on different sides stepping up. You know, Jordan Clarkson's had games for Utah. Um, Nikola Jokic and Jeremy Grant has shown up for Denver. But at the end of the day, it comes down to those two and those two alone. And what they do in this Game 7 will largely define which team goes to victory. And and, and guess what, y'all? That's some high-level analysis, I'm sure. But, but seriously, whichever team whichever player for whichever team pulls through, whether that's the most dominant scoring performance, the most well-rounded game, whatever the case may be, it's going to come down. By the time we finish this Game 7 and look back on this, we're going to see which player outshone the other. And honestly, that's all you want. This is one of the excitement, part of the excitement of the playoffs. This right here. It's really, really cool to see, and I am excited. But we're going to have a Game 7 in the bubble. This is the first Game 7 in the bubble. Jamal Murray versus Donovan Mitchell, must-see TV, Denver Nuggets versus Utah Jazz. Who thought that we would be saying that? And if you did, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know at CorbinNBA because I don't believe you. <laughs> I'm kidding. But really, this was a real good game, y'all. Check it out. In the end, the Nuggets prevailed. Jamal Murray has just been on fire. Luka Doncic had himself a hell of a first playoff series ever. I mean, the dude showed up. He showed out. He did it often, but it wasn't enough. Especially when you uh, have a fun guy on the Clippers. As uh, Kawhi Leonard led the Clippers again. 33 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. His career best 5th straight playoff game. Reaching a 30 point plateau. Clippers beat the Mavericks 117-97. to Solid finish for Doncic. 38 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. He even kept it really interesting in the 4th quarter. And remember, this was playing without injured teammate Christos Porzingis who had that torn meniscus that was keeping him out and it caused him some substantial pain throughout the series so it was really Doncic going at it almost alone I mean he did get some help from Dorian Finney-Smith Finney-Smith came through 16 big points Tim Hardaway Jr. didn't have the most efficient of games and by most efficient it wasn't efficient at all y'all it was 26% from the field 18% from three but he had 10 points after that it got ugly and it got ugly real quick Max Kleber with 9 points on 3 of 10 shooting. Seth Curry with 7 points on 3 of 7 shooting. My man Boban Marjanovic, 8 points on 4 of 7 shooting in 17 minutes. You know, Trey Burke played 35 minutes, 6 points, 2 of 10. It it wasn't great. It wasn't great. There was nobody there who who was able to put the ball in the basket off enough for Dallas, aside from Doncic, who, look at the volume, 15 to 28 from the field, 4 and 9 from 3. The aforementioned nine rebounds, nine assists. The dude did it all. And for him to be 21 and, and single-handedly the engine of one of the best offenses in NBA history, but also an offense that sustained heavy pressure from the Clippers' defense and, and, and still thrive despite that. With the Clippers knocking him down, knocking him all about, we, we do have to talk about one Morris, M- Marcus Morris. I personally like the Morris, the more I. <laughs> I do. Mainly Markeith, because he played for the Phoenix Suns for a while. I live in Phoenix. Now he's playing for the Lakers. I love the Lakers. So I can't have any hate in my heart for Markeith. Now, Marcus has a totally different story. And I have it. I totally do. Um, Early in the first half, the Clippers were up by two in the first quarter when Morris was ejected for swinging his arm down and striking Doncic in the head-neck area. It was a dead play. Doncic already driven you know, down to the basket got kind of mixed up with 
Morris, and then Morris just had to do the follow-through and club him upside the head. There was no reason for that. It was a borderline dirty play, and this isn't the first time that Morris has done this. Remember, in the very first game of the series, Doncic was palming the ball, the ref called it, Morris tried to take it out of his hands, and grabbing Doncic, that led to the scrum, that led to the ejection of Porzingis. And then later on, uh, just game five, Morris was basically chasing Doncic after a loose ball and seemed to purposely step on his sprained left ankle, of which he later denied that he did try to hurt him or anything, but come on, we have eyes. We saw, right? So, I don't know. Morris is one of those guys. I I'm, I must put him up there with Patrick Beverly, where, they, yeah, they're not quote-unquote dirty, but they are, like, so close to that edge, they might as well be dirty. And in my mind, they are. And so that was rough. But despite that, you know, the Clippers were just led by Kawhi's excellence. Just so efficient, man. He's so robotic. I, I saw people on Twitter, uh, particularly Clippers fans, saying, you know, it reminds him so much of Michael Jordan. He has elements of his game that do. You know, he has elements of it. His mid-range mastery, his ruthless efficiency. I still consider Kobe the Jordan clone, mostly in part because Kobe worked so hard to emulate Jordan from the get that it was so easily apparent to see in in several of Jordan's moves that Kobe later adopted in his footwork and all of that. Kawhi has certain elements of it down to a T, but personality-wise, everything, I don't look at Kawhi and think Jordan. I look at Kobe and I thought Jordan. So it's two different analogies to me. But from his work in the mid-range, from his deadly efficiency, from his defensive ability, yeah, I'll, I'll put Leonard next to Jordan in, in, in plays or signs that remind me of him. But Kobe, to me, is and always will be the gold standard of Jordan imitators. So I just want to put that in bed real quick. That was something I saw circling on Twitter. Those are my two cents. But besides Kawhi and his greatness... Avicii Zubac played really well. Totally outplayed Montrezl Harrell. You know, Harrell's still working his self back into game shape, whatever the case may be. But 14 minutes, 4 points, 2 rebounds. I mean, come on. Zubac in 33 big minutes, 15 points on 75% shooting, 11 rebounds. Was a force around the basket. Paul George, you know, he had a bounce back game. But this is how Paul George rocks in the playoffs. He comes and he goes. And he kind of went on this one. 15 points on 19 shots. 31% from the field. He did throw in seven rebounds and nine assists, but again, you know, or nine rebounds and seven assists rather. But again, it'll come down to see how much of sustained, consistent, decent performances can George bring to the table. He contributes in other ways. That's great. But mainly, he's looked upon as a second scoring threat. You could say what you want. George can minimize it however he wants to, but he is looked at as a second scoring threat to Kawhi Leonard. He was tied for second of those honors. Reggie Jackson right behind him with 14 points. Really efficient game for him. Five rebounds, five assists, four big threes, um, and, you know, just through the course. And that was really it. Landry Shamet got the start. Nine points, four assists, nothing much there. Um, and then Marcus Morris had nine because he only played ten minutes because of that dirty play we already referenced. So, I, I don't know. Again, a lot is put on Kawhi's plate right now in terms of consistently bringing that factor, closing out the series for the Clippers when no one else did. We'll have to see Patrick Beverly. He was working back with that calf. He's still day-to-day, although it does look like he's progressing better, and that is at least what Doc said or something to that effect. So we'll see how he goes. But it it all comes down to Kawhi right now. You have to hope that Paul George can continue to to round himself into form and, and bring that playoff P that he spoke of two years ago, not the pandemic P that we seem to have uh, found ourselves watching so far. So, again, we'll have to see how that goes. There was uh, the first game of the second round. We had that on Sunday. 
between the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. And Toronto, uh, they just didn't bring it. They just didn't bring it. They, they weren't able to show up. It happens. It's not cool. Um, but Boston apparently had what it took to beat Toronto early, which was going small, running and gunning, and just spreading it out. And, you know, for Toronto, a lot that's happened, it's, it's hit all the players hard. Jacob, Blake, and everything going on. But Toronto, in general, had a, a few players that were even wondering why they're even there that wanted to go home. You, you could say there was a lack of energy there because Boston came from the get. And this is this is a time where Toronto hadn't lost a game in almost a month, it felt like. And, and very nearly close to it when you count the days. But a well-balanced effort by Boston. Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, each scored 21. Campbell Walker had 18 points, 10 assists. The Celtics never trailed, just jumped from the get. And Toronto didn't really ever get in it. They had moments. Had a brief rally, uh, sandwiched around some Serge Ibaka threes when he entered the game late in the first. But it, it never was really close. The game was, for all intents and purposes, pretty much done by halftime. Kyle Lowry had 17 points for Toronto. Serge Ibaka had 15 13 for Pascal Siakam. He was slowed big time. And mind you, his lack of offensive versatility as far as different moves. Yes, he can score from everyone on the floor, but he can't get to his spots as easily as he was in the regular season or as consistently as you would like as a go-to option. 13 points on 5 of 16 shooting. It was pretty rough for Pascal. Like, if he had more, you know, advanced dribbling moves, if he wasn't just going for the spin move and then really just coming up empty in his bag. You know, some players have deep bags, and Pascal has a very effective bag of three items, but once those items are out, well, (laughs) gee, that's all, folks, and that's all we had, and it was, you know, some funny memes on Twitter. I mean, this wasn't lost to anybody. Everybody saw it. It was pretty sad. His three ball wasn't going down. 0-3 from out there. Marc Gasol had a pretty bad game. Looked slow-footed, unable to stop penetration, 7.6 rebounds in 25 minutes. Didn't really do too much. Fred Van Vliet, you know, he's been an all-star for the Raptors since they've came down to Orlando, but he was not an all-star on Sunday. 11 points, 3 of 16 shooting, 2 of 11 from 3. Just couldn't knock down a shot. Wasn't able to finish at the rim. Boston's defense was swarming. They were active. They were all over the place. And on the offensive end, you know, that troika that they had between Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker was too much. I mean, Jalen Brown had the worst shooting percentage of the three at 33%. Even he finished with 17 points. Five rebounds and four assists. Jason Tatum, oh, you know, 21 and nine. Two assists as well. Kemba Walker already mentioned 18 and 10 assists. How about 54% from the field, 55% from three? Those guys couldn't be stopped. Then coming off the bench, you had good support. Robert Williams, the Time Lord, 10 points, five rebounds. Brad Wanamaker, seven points, uh, one, uh, one assist, six rebounds. Um, even Romeo Lang forgot in the act because this was a blowout. But their main guys did damage. Their main guys did damage, and when you have, uh, you know, seven players in double digits, or six players, my mistake, and, and one in Wanamaker kind of creeping around there, you, you kind of know where it's at. And for what it's worth, Boston went small, and his Cantor didn't really get a whole lot of time. It was really Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Daniel Tice, Marcus Smart, and Kemba Walker, and Robert Williams coming in as alongside uh, Brand Wanamaker. Semi Ojale played 22 minutes. You barely noticed he was on the floor, but defensively he was active, and, and really they just stymied Toronto. And, and and showed, hey, if you don't have a go-to offensive creator and your main guys in a 34-year-old Kyle Lowry and, and, and Fred Van Vliet who perform admirably but can be taken out of games just by, you know, size and, and, and good defensive effort, well then, you know, Toronto, you're done. They don't have the fun guy anymore. He's in L.A. You know, they don't have that guy. And Pascal Siakam, 
great credit to everything that he's been able to do to enhance his game, continue to add elements to it, continue to get better and to fine-tune it. But bottom line, he's, he's not there yet. You know? Maybe there's more to go. Maybe he is a very, very strong second banana, and that is what it is. And maybe I'm overreacting one game. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's not beneath me to do that, all right? It isn't. So we'll have to wait and see. But right now, Toronto needs to wake up. This was the shot in the mouth they needed. This was that pop in the mouth that they need to get up and get back into it. Well, then that's what it is. So be it. Toronto, your move, right? Your move, Toronto. All right, so Monday, today's games. Got a few. Got a few. Mostly games that, you know, well, a few is in two. But one, a potential closeout game for the Houston Rockets as they play the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the other is game one of the Eastern Conference Semifinals, Miami Heat versus Milwaukee Bucks. That is an interesting one. We'll have to see how Milwaukee can contend with Miami and the way that they play and what kind of strategy will happen. Will Milwaukee get hit in the mouth again first, like they did by Orlando in the first round? Will they be able to send a message to Miami? We'll have to see. And with Houston and Russell Westbrook's return, will they be able to close out Oklahoma City for good and take on the Lakers, or will it be a Game 7 for the second time in the Western Conference? It remains to be seen. But like I said, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, Miami Heat versus Milwaukee Bucks, 9 o'clock Eastern, Houston Rockets versus Oklahoma City Thunder. Good week of NBA action coming up ahead. You have me all week. We'll talk some good stuff. Look at Twitter. Check out players of the game. We'll do what we do all the time. Until then, y'all, that is it for me today. NBA Today Hoop Ball presentation. Stay frosty, y'all. Stay frosty, y'all. We out. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.